The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, glad that you are here. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. If you are here with us, congratulations. You made it to church on one of the lowest attended Sundays of all of the year. Good job to you. Uh, but if you are uh, joining online, we are so glad <clears throat> that you're able to join us virtually. Thank the Lord for that kind of technology uh, where we can minister uh, from a distance. So welcome. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Sunday. Um, I hope that you guys had an awesome Christmas. We certainly did. Like most people, it was pretty low-key, uh, but it was actually kind of a, a welcome change uh, in, the, in the normal busy rhythms of the holiday season. And so... Um, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking, uh, I think it's rather fitting, about rest, resting in the Lord, finding rest in Him. And admittedly, uh, this is a, was a challenge for me. I felt like the Lord was wanting me uh, to preach and minister on this topic, but quite frankly, I was wanting to avoid it uh, out of honest fear of being a hypocrite. Um, I like, I super struggle with rest. Like, I find it really difficult to rest in the Lord. I hope you guys find comfort in knowing that your past, one of your pastors struggles to rest in the Lord. Uh, and it's okay. Um, but what's not okay is to not uh, seek out what is it that God wants of us uh, when it comes to resting in Him uh, what are the consequences when we don't rest in Him, uh, and how are, what are some pra practical applications to how we do find rest? Sometimes rest feels to me a little bit like a, you know, like a tinkerbell. Like it's like this thing that exists and you look for it and you never actually find it, but that's not true. Um, and so anyway, let's, let's start. Uh, surprisingly enough, um, the I'm going to warn you, this might actually be a terrible sermon. Typically, for those of you that know me, uh, I don't usually have sermon notes. I am very uh, bad about putting sermon notes together. I like to just preach old school. But I got sermon notes today, so beware. Beware. Uh, but do follow along in your bulletin as we cover some ground here. Uh, we'll be bouncing around in a lot of scripture, um, but I hope that this ministers to you as much as it did to me. Truthfully, the fact that I even have uh, the notes that I do means that uh, I have a lot to learn in this area, uh, and so join me as we learn together. Let's define rest. That was the first place I thought was fair to start. What is rest? Okay, well, Webster's defines rest as to simply cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength, okay? That's a Webster's definition of strength, of uh, rest, forgive me. A musical, so in a, in, a, in a musical sense, a definition I like, I actually appreciated this, it's an interval of silence of a specified duration. Rest in a musical sense is an interval of silence of a specified duration, how true could that be for us as we're spending time with Jesus? It's an interval silence of a specified duration. We're setting aside a silent time to rest in the Lord to, um, for, for a specific time. I, I kind of, this is not, um, there's probably a better definition here, uh, but I wanted to do my best to give you guys what I feel like in my study and time in the Word and experience with Christ of what might be a biblical definition of rest, okay? So here's my best stab at it to date, okay? is to, first of all, to actively trust in the Lord. Actively trust in the Lord is a biblical definition of rest. I would add, so was it, semicolon? To cultivate a confident reassurance that everything in your life will work out as divinely designed according to God's perfect will, and that it is good. And that last piece is really important, because sometimes we can believe that all things will work out in our life in accordance to God's will, but we sometimes don't always believe that it's good. 
And that's the reason we struggle with rest, because sometimes we try to make things happen in our life um, that might be different than God's will in our life, and we think our plan is good and that his isn't, and that's why we struggle, okay? Guilty party number one. And I also put, though, that it is available to all who trust in Jesus Christ. That would be a biblical definition of rest. Rest, as the Bible describes it, is only available to those who are in Christ. So if you don't know Jesus, you don't know rest. Not in the way that God himself defines it biblically. Okay, So we live in a performance-based world, right? We live in a performance-based world which makes rest difficult. That's what I'm realizing is that, man, why is rest so hard? Why is it hard to rest? Again, why is it hard to biblically rest? I'm not talking about take a nap. Trust me, it is not hard to take a nap. I could, I could lay right here and sleep. I would be asleep in two minutes if I convinced myself. I can sleep anywhere, okay? That's not the type of rest we're talking. Why is it hard to rest in the Lord in a busy world? This is a busy world, man. I, it doesn't take much preaching or convincing for you guys to know, man, like, I'm blown away at the fast-paced nature of life. I mean, like my phone, I mean, I'm in, I, I do run a business and I am in sales, um, but you know, like I make between 40 and 50 phone calls a day. Like if you go through my call log, 40 to 50 calls Monday through Saturday. That's a lot of calls. That's a high volume. That's, a, that's an excessive amount of stimulation, like brain fry, right? Every day that happens. And now maybe you don't have that many phone calls. You may not be in you know, some sort of a sales pro- pro- position professionally, but like, you know, man, like even through like one, one flick through social media, like I can scroll through Facebook, you know, and sometimes it's like I have these mixed emotions, right? Like I'll, I'll go through Facebook and I'm like, and I use it as a business platform, but I also stay connected to friends and family and, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh man, my buddy shot a big deer. Oh man, they had a baby. Oh, they're getting married. And then I, but I scroll through so much junk to even like get through that. And then I realize, what did I just do? I got 20, 20 minutes thumbing through this thing and I feel like not good. You know, I'm like, turn this thing off, you know? Um, but it's, what you're realizing, though, is that, it's, that the world is so fast-paced. I always feel, and maybe uh, I don't think that I'm alone in this, but I always feel behind, just constantly. I feel like I'm behind. There's always so much to do and not enough time in the day to do it, right? And it's like, man, why do I feel like that? Well, it's because we do. We live in a performance-based world. That's just the environment that we operate in, but we don't have to... Uh, 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 victimize ourselves to that. Um, we don't have to align ourselves um, in, in the way that the world says that we need to live. We need to live in the way that God says to live. And so, um, I, again, I, I hope in this message that you just hear from me a vulnerability uh, around my daily and, and, and weekly and yearly walk with the Lord and what that looks like. And maybe it'll encourage you as, as you're seeking to find rest in the Lord too. And so I just put, for me personally, in my business, the lie is that if I spend all my time resting, that will hurt my sales. Like, that's, you know, and then I, but I put, but that is an immature misunderstanding of what the Bible describes as rest, right? The truth is that rest is actually the key to my business being successful if it is according to God's will. That's the truth. And so um, I wrestle with that, right? But I have to remember that. Rest is not laziness, or rest is not a nap. Rest is not a, um, you know, a, close, a little shut eye. It's funny, when I was a kid, my dad, if he's watching, he's going to laugh at this. And I'm sure you all have a parent or an uncle that does the same thing. I would come downstairs, my dad would get home from work, and I'd come downstairs uh, with my soccer stuff, ready to go to soccer practice. And my dad worked all day, would wake up at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning and go to work, and he'd come home at like 3.45. We had practice after school at like 5 o'clock. And I'd come downstairs, and my dad would be sound asleep in the chair. <laughs> I mean, and I'd be like, Pop, we got to go to soccer practice, man. Time to... He's like, ah, oh, I wasn't asleep, just resting my eyes. I'm like, dude, you were out. Like, out cold, right? So anyway, resting your eyes, rest. Um, but that was a funny little joke. I'm sure my dad's laughing right now. Um, but no, it's, uh, 
you know, we're not talking about um, a physical rest, although that is part of it. And I'll, get, I'll come back to that. But I, I also wrote the parallel. So like in my business, if I, I always feel like, man, I don't want to be lazy, right? I don't want to be lazy. I want to work hard um, and, and, and good things will happen. Uh, and, and the Bible speaks to, to work versus rest. And we'll cover that ground here in just a sec. But in my faith journey, the lie that I believe is, man, why am I spending all my time resting when there's work to be done in the kingdom? Like, dude, I mean, some of you guys aren't necessarily privy to like having an, a- an actual occupational ministry job. There's more work than you can imagine to do within the kingdom of God, like at the church. There is more work to do than you could possibly imagine. And so sometimes it feels like, man, like, what, 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 what do I have? I mean, what do you mean like, God, you want me to go rest? Like you want me to go like sit and like read the Bible? Like, man, Lord, you told me to go and like reach people, make disciples, baptize people, make disciples, lead them, love them, encourage them, shepherd them, minister to them, counsel them. I mean, just that alone is a full-time job, let alone, you know, all the um, administrative tasks and blah, 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 like, and it's awesome. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. But man, if, if I'm doing it in the name of, of Shay, it is in vain. But if I'm doing it in the Lord, it is not, right? And I'm reminded um, of, of uh, the, the, the truth in my faith journey is that resting in Christ is the key to bearing any meaningful fruit in the kingdom of God. I could work like crazy and be a really good pastor administratively, or um, you know, I could, I could put all these programs together, and I could hustle and organize, and I could, meet, I could have coffee with every one of you every week, and I could spot like 20 minutes here, you know, Black Dog Coffee, Starbucks, uh, you know, Pilgrims, whatever, and I could just stack all you guys in, and I could minister and love and counsel and bless, and oh my God, the kingdom would move. But man, if I'm not resting in the Lord... And if that's not what God wants me to do, no fruit will happen. I will work myself like crazy, man, and nothing of any value will happen in the kingdom of God whatsoever. Because Jesus said in John 15, you guys know the verse, he who abides in me, abide is also to rest. You could could equally say, he who rests in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do a lot of things, but what he says, nothing, he means nothing of any value to the kingdom of God. So you need to rest in the Lord so that you know what he wants you to do, and that way when you go and do it, it's actually fruitful in the kingdom of God, meaning that you actually have something of tangible value to hold on to and experience in the next life. You realize that, right? Like God is an all-consuming fire, right? The Bible describes God as an all-consuming fire, and when we present ourselves to him as a sacrifice, and we get to him on that holy day where we present our lives to him as the all-consuming fire, he will burn away everything in our lives that was of no value to the kingdom of God. And the precious stones that are left that can withstand the fire, like gold, right, will remain eternal. And that's what he's talking about. So like when we sit with the Lord, we rest in, in, in Christ which I'll help you and teach you what I've learned here on how to do, but when we rest in the Lord and we trust in him, the things that we do in our lives, how hard we work and the, how we're running around and the busyness, etc., it doesn't consume us and burden us, rather it encourages us and we send forth blessings in heaven that we and our friends and family can enjoy forever and ever when we get to the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? I hope so. Um, I, here's where I can get my wires crossed, is working versus resting. Working versus resting. Uh, this, is, this is where I struggle, because work is good. Work is really good. In fact, I want to give you some scriptures that I, I lean on as encouragement when, I, when, I'm, when I'm lacking motivation or energy to, to um, run my business, to support my family. I, I, I soak in the, in the Proverbs and in Corinthians, so, so just bear, bear with me here. But here's what God says about work and laziness. Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 11, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Proverbs 13, 4, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. 
Proverbs 18.9, whoever is lazy regarding his work is a brother to the master of destruction. 1 Corinthians 15.58, therefore, my beloved brothers, this is the Apostle Paul, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, and this is important, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So I threw a free nugget out to myself here and I put labor done in Shea is done in vain. Is done in vain. So I can work like a dog sun up to sundown. I can hustle, bustle. Man, I can, early bird gets the worm all day long. But if it's not done in the Lord, it is vanity. It is vanity. Read the book of Ecclesiastes and you'll come to the realization on that real quick. But it's important, though, that he says to work hard. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Right? So we are to work, and we're to work extremely hard. But if it's not in the Lord, it is in vain. So what does resting start to look like? We're, we're building a case here. Dave Ramsey, I don't believe in everything that he says, but I do like this one. He said, God feeds the worms but doesn't throw worms into the nest. <laughs> I do like that one. God feeds the worms, but he doesn't throw worms into the nest. And that is a true statement. But if rest is the key to successful work, what keeps us from resting? Right? So we're coming to the conclusion that, that rest is the key to successful work or doing of anything of any value in the kingdom of God, which is the only work that we ought to care about. Even our work, our occupational work, like our job job, ought to be uh, kingdom work, right? Amen? It's, we're, we're talking about work as seen in the eyes of the Lord. There's five hindrances, and this is where your notes, I believe, start. There's five hindrances that I've seen that keep us from resting in the Lord. The first one, is super obvious, is a lack of faith. That is the number one hindrance in resting in the Lord is unbelief. Unbelief is, is, is probably the most common sin or struggle in the church today, myself included. What I mean is, it's simply not believing that God's plan or his ways are better than our own. That is, when we, are, we do not rest in the Lord when we, when we don't believe that his plan is better than our own. Like, if I wake up, this is really practical. If I wake up every day, let's say for, uh, let's just say over a two-week span, right? If I wake up every day for two weeks, and I wake up, and my first thing, man, is I'm hammering emails, right? I'm emails. I mean, I make 40 to 50 phone calls a day, so, I mean, you, you, you don't, that doesn't happen if you don't start till noon. I promise you that, right? It starts at 7, and so it's like I can wake up, I can send emails, I can get ahead, I can get, man, I can wake up super early, get my coffee, make my bacon and eggs, I can go on my little run, and then I can, I can you know, man, I can, I can get on my computer and boom, start hammering out, and I will get a lot of stuff done. I'm telling you, man, if I put my nose to the grindstone, I can pound out some work, man. Like, I know how to work, but wow, does it produce anxiety in me and stress and discomfort and frustration at the end of the day. Because if I do that, let's say over a two-week period, and I six days a week, I, I, I gr rise and grind, right? And I don't believe that, if I, that I don't have any time to spend with Jesus. What I'm saying is that I know how to bring about more blessing on my life than Jesus does. And here's how I do it. There's a formula, if I make this many calls and do this much prospecting and go on this many appointments, I can make this much money and buy this many things and I can provide for this many kids and blah, 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 blah. I get it all figured out, right? But at the end of the day, I'm sitting on the couch going, dude, I'm stressed. I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm, and I'm frustrated, right? It's because I don't have any rest. I'm not resting in the Lord. I'm not believing that I have time to make Jesus a priority. 
And the truth in what God does in his goodness is he allows those frustrations and the stress and the anxiety to lead me back to him for me to realize that I need to start my day to sit with him and ask him, what ought I to be doing today, Jesus? Is it 40 calls? Is it 50 calls? Is it 10 calls? The truth is I need to believe that God can do in one call what I could do in 50 calls. It's a lack of faith. That's the issue, right? The problem is, is I don't believe. And maybe you struggle with that too. So that's hindrance number one. Just simply not believing. Number two is sin. Sin is primarily the sin of pride, right? I'm a very prideful person. I am the king of pride and not proud of it. But man, it like, you know, and it's, it can be good, like, because, like, if you're a passionate person, man, like, you've got, like, I'm prideful, like, about my kids, you know, like, man, like, I'm, they do something great, you know, like, my son hits a nice, you know, hits a, hits a double in baseball, and he speeds around the bases or something, you know, and he slides in safe, I'm like, let's go, you know, I'm proud of him, but I, what I'm talking about pride is like, man, I struggle, like, the Lord's like, Shay, like, you're burning yourself out, dude, um, you might want to take a step back and sit with me and let me lead you in the things that you're doing every day. And I'm like, oh, but Lord, I'm hustling. I'm grinding, Lord. I'm doing it all. You know? He's like, dude, you're spinning your wheels, man. And I'm like, that may be true, but I'm just, let me spin a little longer. You know? That's, that's pride. That's pride. It's the sin. It's the, it's the pride that entered Satan, and that's how he fell. Sin is, a, is the second hindrance to resting in the Lord. Three is worry. And worry, and we all know the scriptures about worrying. Um, uh, in Matthew, um, you know, the birds of the air, they, they do not worry. Um, the, you know, the, the, your heavenly Father feeds them. Um, but worry is a useless attempt at control. That's what it is. It's a useless attempt at control. You're trying to control your circumstances and you worry about them. Boy, I'm bad at that, man. I worry about all kinds of things, and it's foolish. It's foolish. It's, it's the opposite of faith, right? Faith is having that confidence, right? I'm going back to that my made-up biblical definition of rest, right? It's to cultivate a confident reassurance that everything in your life will work out as divinely designed according to God's perfect will, and that that is good, right? That is the opposite of worrying, Resting is believing in God and that his plan is good. Worrying is the opposite of that. And it's a useless attempt at controlling your life. The fourth hindrance is habit. And it's the habit of self-reliance. Man, like, this, I spin my wheels in this area constantly. Relying on Shay to fix the problems in my life. And what happens is Shay gets super overwhelmed because Shay can't do it all. Shay can't be in, in, in more than one place at one time, right? I mean, I, I, you, there's, there's only so much money. There's only so much time. There's only two hands. There's only two feet, right? It's like there's only one brain. There's only two eyes. I mean, it just, there's only so much. And I try to do everything on my own and try to fix everything. It, it doesn't work like that. Like, some of you guys in here are business owners. Jason knows, knows well. What is the, one of the greatest qualities of a leader, of a business owner or a leader in any organization, a church included, and this is where I'm growing in, in my ministry capacity as well, is learning how to delegate, right? How many times have you heard your boss say, you need to learn how to delegate, right? And you're like, dude, delegate? I mean, in my immaturity, delegate means Give something that needs to be done right to somebody that will do it wrong so that I got to actually go back and fix it later. That's what I heard when I hear delegate, you know? And so I hope you all appreciate that because it's true. But I ha you, that's where you have to lead. You got you to gotta coach and mentor and train and, and elevate that person, hopefully that they'll be even, even better um, than you, right? But the habit of self-reliance or the habit of taking matters into your own hands 
will totally burn you out. Like, I am living proof of that, man. You can't do it all on your own. You weren't meant to do it all on your own. you got to figure out who did God put in your life to help accomplish the good work that he has planned for you to get that done. Like Jimmy said last week, what's awesome, man, is God always gives you a partner in the deal, right? Y'all remember the sermon last week, man, that ministered to me. God always gives you support. He always gives you a partner, right? Paul and, 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 and Barnabas, John and Peter, the list goes on, right? The, um, you, you've, got, you've got help. You just may not be using it. And I've been super guilty of that. So figure out where your help is. The fifth hindrance to resting in the Lord is the inability to receive, right? And then this, this kind of goes with self-reliance, but it's, it's the inability to receive the good things that God has for you and you feel like you have to earn all of the things that, you, you know, everything that you have. It's like, uh, it's like grandpa's work ethic, you know? It's like, you know, boy, I, you know, I got my, picked myself up by my bootstraps, you know, and we made it all, man. All that hay in the barn you see, I, I cut, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, man, again, hard work is good. We talked about it. The Bible's super clear, man. God wants us to work hard, work as unto the Lord, right? Absolutely. But, man, the, the blessings of the Lord, here's, what I came, here's the truth that I came to a realization on. The blessings of the Lord in my life feel better than the fruit of my own labor that I can look and see, right? Like, I hope you all understand what I'm saying when I, when I say that. When I can look into my life and know, man, God sent me a blessing instead of me going, oh, man, I did that. Like, and no, no, don't get me wrong. Like, when I mow the yard and that thing is just, I mean, slick and green and it's like, you know, man, I just... In my yard, dude, it's awesome. And I can like, man, that looks good, right? But it's, it's different. It's like I can use my kids as an example. I can either be like, dude, Molly and I made awesome kids. Or I can go, dude, they are, the, they are a blessing from the Lord, man. Like, the, if I see my kids as something awesome that Molly and I made, that is so small. Like, that's the smallest human view of of my children, but when I can see them as a blessing of the Lord, man, it's like, whoa, like it, the, my view of them and view of God becomes infinitely bigger. So the five hindrances to resting in the Lord, lack of faith, sin, worry, habit, and inability to receive. Now, what, what does Jesus say about this, right? In Matthew 11, familiar verse, familiar passage for you guys, extremely applicable and we're going to break it down. But Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's me. He, he's calling me. He's probably calling you. Okay? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. <clears throat> and here's a promise. I will give you rest. Take my yoke, or teaching, take my teaching upon you and learn from me. He's like saying, man, be a student of me. For I am gentle, this is his character, I am gentle and humble in heart. And here's another promise, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, or my teaching, is easy and my burden is light. Man, guys, people get intimidated by the Bible. And I mean, it is a big book, man. I think it's 66 books written by 50-something authors. Peter, 66 books, is that right? Dude, this thing is big. A lot of pages on here, right? And, but it's not intimidating. Like, it shouldn't intimidate you. It, 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 in fact, it's one, the Bible is one distinct message about God and humanity that's been preserved throughout time for us, right? That's why it's such a great place to start. If you're wanting to learn the Bible, Genesis is an okay place to start. I mean, there's no bad place to start. I mean, in, anywhere in the Word is, is a good place. But like the Gospels, right? It just learn what Jesus said, and that's where you'll find it. Is, is it when Jesus, the God-man, was in the flesh, walked the earth and spoke, and God uh, used men to write down the things that he said, 
They're right there in the Gospels, right? And so I always point a new believer to the book of John, the Gospel of John. Just read it and figure out what Jesus said, and you'll realize it's super simple, right? Jesus gives a parable, and then he explains it right after. It's, like, it's literally like you have the test, and then they let you flip to the back where all the teachers have the answers, right? <laughs> it's like right there. So it, his teachings are easy, yet we make it so difficult to apply them in our lives, myself included. But that's what Jesus has to say. Come to me, you who feel the burden. Come to me, you who struggle with anxiety. Come to me, you who have fear. Come to me, you who worry about everything. Come to me, you who doubt that tomorrow will be better. Come to me, come to me, right? And I will give you rest. Matthew 18, 3 says, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So how do we come to him? He says, come. He says, come on with it, man. If you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. But he also says, following that, unless you come like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I was, I'm so glad that God shows me himself and what he's like and what he teaches me through my kids. So Joshua, my six-year-old, he's lost his two bottom front teeth uh, this week, man, and he's fired up about it, man. The tooth fairy, you know, really came through big for him. But he, what I noticed was, so he, he came down, he lost his first one. And I wasn't there for that. Um, but the second one, I was, I was home and Molly was home. And, and he came down and he's like doing this, you know. He's like, Dad, I, it, I think it's ready. It's, it's wiggling. And that thing was like Snaggletooth City, man. I mean, it was like really ready to come out. But, and I was like, oh, bro, let me just reach in there and grab that thing. And, you know, and he's like, no, no, you know, no, Dad. I'm like, oh, dude, come on, man. I'll reach in there and yank that thing. No. I want mommy to do it. I want, you know, he's really like exaggerated. And I'm like, what, well, dude? Mommy has the same fingers that I do. You know, in fact, mine are bigger, man, or fatter fingers, dude. I can get in there and eat that thing right out. He's like, yeah, I want mommy to do it, man. You know, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And so I'm like, but you want you sit right here? I'm like, mom, come on over and let's yank this thing out. You know. So she gets the. She's really gentle, right? She's like, gets the the little. Uh, whatever you call it, little square hand towel thing, you know, and she's like, I'm going in, you know, I need to get a good grip. And he's like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, why wouldn't he do that for me? But, you know, he, he's like, and then she just reached in there and boom. And he was like, he didn't even know it came out. He was like, and you could tell, he could kind of like taste his blood, you know, where it was coming out a little bit. And he was like, you know, pushing his, <laughs> pushing his tongue through, he's like, it feels funny, you know? And I was like, dude, you got them, you're both gone, you know? And then we were like, let's put it in a little baggie and, and, and we'll put it under the, under the pillow and maybe the tooth fairy will come back and blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, though, what I learned was like, you know, we, <clears throat> what God was showing me in that was like, he, that's how God wants us to come to, our, to, to him. Like when we have a problem, like Joshua had a problem. He had a tooth that he couldn't get out by himself, and he needed some help, right? So he came to his parents, and, and the parents, we took care of it. And then once we yanked the tooth out, he, you know, he was off and playing. He was like, oh, it feels funny. I got blood on my face. No big deal. Gabriel, you want to play Legos? You know, it was like not a big deal. So he's like a child coming to the father, and that's what kids do. When they have a problem, they come to you, and you talk to them through it or work, them, work the situation out, and they just go back to playing, right? They go back to life. And, but what's funny, though, was the extreme fear that he had over that yanking of the tooth. That's where God was like, dude, that's how you are. You act just like that when you come to me. Like, you've got a problem, and I'm telling you how to fix it. You're like, I want mommy to do it. That's, you're act, that's how you act. And it's like, what we needed him to know was, dude, it's not that big a deal. It is going to be okay. Like, this is good. We're going to yank that thing out, man, and it's going to be all right. And that's how God is with us and our problems, but he wants us to come to him. And, and there's no need to be so fearful, right? And so what happens, though, if we don't rest? What happens if we do not rest? There are consequences. First, um, and this is, this is not your first 
bullet point, but before we get to those bullet points, we must first realize that it is a violation of the fourth commandment, of the Ten Commandments, right? In Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, this is a commandment that God had given to Moses and given to the people of Israel. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor a foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Right, Jesus said in Mark 2, 27, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift from the Lord to us. I see Brother Steve nodding his head, man. He gave me a good word one day after a sermon I preached, and that stuck with me, man. It's true. And I, was, I have had walked in, the, in disobedience to the Sabbath for years like, there was no Sabbath, man. It was rise and grind seven days a week, man. And, like, and it burned me out. I was not honoring the Sabbath. Like, Jesus is the Sabbath, and that's true. Jesus is our Sabbath. That's the whole point. We rest in him. But we still need the law of God is still good, right? We still rest in him. Like, we still do what he tells us to do, which is to have a day of rest. Now, it doesn't have to be Sunday, it can be Wednesday, it can be Monday, but I can tell you, like, it is good for your soul. It's a requirement, and if you don't honor it, you'll spin your wheels, and you'll be asking God, why am I spinning my wheels, and he's going to tell you what he told me. Well, start with what I've told you to do, which is to honor a Sabbath, and so if you're not honoring a Sabbath, then that's a good place to start finding rest. But there's three consequences when we violate this commandment, and these are in your notes, and this is as follows. Number one, nothing about your circumstances will change. If you don't honor a Sabbath, both on a holy day during the week to keep it separate, apart from work, and, and, and truly finding rest for yourself, recharging your batteries, but also not resting in Jesus on a daily basis, abiding with him, trusting in him, believing in him, you will suffer the consequence that your circumstances that you desire to change will not change. And I've, I have witnessed that to be true. They at least won't change for the better. That's more accurate. Number two, the second consequence is your faith can't grow. You will remain self-reliant, right? And because resting requires faith. That's the point. It takes faith to believe that what God says and what his plans for you are better than your own. It takes faith to believe that. So if you're not exercising that, then your faith can't grow. That's a consequence of violating the commandment. Number three, you will continue to carry the burden and it will weigh you down. It will weigh you down. It will wear you out. They say stress is the silent killer, right? And man, I believe that. And stress, man, it's rooted in, in anxiety it's rooted in fear. It's rooted in unbelief, which is all sinful. All right? It just is. And I'm telling you, man, I have been, I, I, I'm, I hope you hear in me a confession. I'm not totally out of the wilderness on this, man. That's why it's hard for me to preach on it, because I'm borderline hypocrite. But I hope that you know that I'm working through this as I'm listening to the Lord. And the more I rest in him and abide in him, the more truth I hear from him and the more it sets me free. So how do I rest? How do we rest? We know what the consequences are. So how do we do it? Simply is first to read the word and believe it will speak to you. That's number one, man. You've got to read the word and believe that it will speak to you. You have to believe that the, the word of God is living and breathing. That it literally, Jesus is the, it was and is the incarnated word of God. And that when you read the word, you're literally consuming the person of Jesus Christ. You have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you're wasting your time. Because 
You have to believe when you get in the word that God has something for you. This is a gift from God. It's like a present, and he gives it to us every day. And we have to take it, though, and we have to open it up and see what's in there, right? The gift is no fun for the kids at Christmas if they don't actually open the package, right? That's how the word is. It's like God's given us this precious gift, but most of the time we don't open it. And it's not fun for him or I. It's no fun for the parents to have all the presents under the tree and no kids don't open it. The buying part's not what's fun. It's the gifts when they actually see what it is. And that's the excitement that God gets when we actually see what it is, what he's saying to us. And then he gives us the strength through the Holy Spirit to live it out. So how do we rest? The first way is read the word. Read the word. Two is worship. Music, how awesome, man. Sean, Corey, our music, these dudes are gifted. Like worship is amazing, man, and it's an important part of the resting in the Lord experience, okay? That's why we sing worship before we present the word. The worship drives out the darkness so the light can shine through. That's, that's the process. That's how God works. And it's the same is true in your daily life, right? So there's a couple of songs that have ministered to me that um, I want to share with you, and I'm not saying anything about the artists or the churches they're involved with or who cares. The Lyrics of these songs are very good and accurate, and I want you to hear it. There's, one, there's a song called Sparrows, and here's, I'm going to read the lyrics. It said, the sparrow is not worried about tomorrow or the trouble to come. The lily is not worried about the seasons or the drought or the flood. The tree that's planted by the water isn't scared of the fire, so why should I be? It's a worship song, man, and when I'm listening to it, I'm like, that's true. Why should I be? Why should I be worried? And then the, the, the song goes on. He says, you take good care of me. You take good care of me. <clears throat> you know what I need before I even ask a thing. You hold me in your hand with a kindness that never ends. It's just a good song, right? If the lyrics are true, and they can breathe life into your soul. They can help. I mean, there's all sorts of messages we can get out there from movies or music or media or radio or whatever, conversation, Facebook. But man, when you're listening to good worship music with truthful lyrics, it can breathe life into your soul and it puts you in a place of rest. It helps set your mind on the things above. I want to read another song. Run to the Father. Man, I love this song. Some of you know it. Here's the lyrics. He says, I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. There's no reason to wait. Like that's what we do when we don't rest in the Lord. We hide from God. We're hiding from him. So this song is proclaiming I'm done hiding. I'm not waiting anymore. Listen to this. I love this verse. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. He's the great physician, right? He's the friend of sinners, He's talking about Jesus, right? The lyrics of the song can speak to your heart. My heart needs a surgeon and my soul needs a friend. If you're feeling empty, it's because there's no Jesus. And that's what you need. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again and again. He doesn't stop. He runs to the Father, right? And that's what we do. So worship, man. How do we rest? Worship and let the truth of God's word that's sung through song <clears throat> speak to your heart and point you to Jesus. The third is to pray. So it's read the word, worship, and pray. No secret to the, the recipe, right? It's like grandma's cookies. There's sugar, sugar, chocolate, and flour, and more sugar, and then powdered sugar, right? There's no secret to the recipe. And that's the same here. It's read worship, pray. But resting is active, right? So when we pray, we're hanging out with Jesus. That's all we're doing. We're having a conversation between ourselves and the Savior, right? John 8, I love this. God gave this to me and Molly this morning as I was trying to figure out how to wrap up the sermon. And I'll invite Sean to come up and play as I land this thing. But as we talk about the, the third practical application, praying, John 8, 31 through 36 says this, and again, Jesus says, if you abide or rest in me, then you really are my disciples. 
So what he's also saying is if you don't rest in me, you really are not my disciple. And so that's challenging to you and to me. And I hope you take the challenge serious. He says, then, if you abide in me or you rest in me, you spend time with me, right? You read, you worship, and you pray, and it's all keeping your eyes and your heart on me, the Son of God, then you will know the truth. It's a promise. You'll know the truth. You won't be kicked and elbow dropped and kicked down and jacked up by all the lies and deceit that are out there in the world for us to consume. And we all fall victim to these lies and deceitful nature of the, of the wicked schemes of the world every week, every day. We all fall victim to it. But man, he says, if you abide in me, if you rest in me, spend time with me, then you really are my disciples, and then you will know the truth And here's the greatest promise of all. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And that's what we all want. That's what I've wanted. When I I struggle with anxiety and I worry and and I get restless and I'm like, oh man, what what am I looking for? A refuge, a way out. I'm looking for freedom. Aren't we all? It's found in Jesus which is the truth. He says a slave, and again, I'm in John 8, a slave has no permanent place in the family. If you're a slave to sin, repeatedly allowing yourself to be a slave and a victim to repeated sinful behavior, you have no place in the family, no permanent place. Listen to this. But a son belongs to it forever. A son belongs to the family forever. You and I, who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, sons and daughters to the king, are part of the family forever. We rest in him, and it gives us that courage. A big idea for today's talk is to begin to work from rest and not rest from work. This is a common theme that we teach and preach in discipleship. It's, and, and we see it here. I don't know if it's up uh, on the screen or not. Um, yeah, here we go. It's a, it's a shape we call the semicircle, and I won't labor through it too hard. But it's this idea of a pendulum, right? And we swing the pendulum over here. We, we abide with the Lord. So imagine like, a, like you're pulling a pendulum, right, with a weight on the bottom. You, 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 you wake up. Every day, and you abide with the Lord, and you're pulling that thing. And the higher you pull it, when you let it go, the faster it falls, right? So, man, our goal ought to be to pull that pendulum of rest as high as it'll go. Read and pray and worship and talk to the Lord and say, God, let's do it today. And he's like, right? And you, and, and, and you go out and bear fruit for the kingdom, right? And then it comes back. And you're like, come on, Lord, let's do it again. All right, trust in you, Jesus. I, want, I can't do anything apart from you. He's like, I know it, man. Stay with me. Whew. Right? Whew. Bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. That's how it works. And so you're actually working from rest. You rest and then you go out and do the things God asks you to do. Not go out and do all the things that you think you got to do and then try to find time for rest. That doesn't work. Trust me, I've tried it. Here's my final thoughts, and I'll leave it to Sean. These are just some bullet points I hope you appreciate. As I studied this, God spoke to my heart, and I hope he spoke to yours. You can be physically, here's some simple truths. You can be physically rested, but producing no fruit. So we're not talking about physical rest here. You can be physically rested, but producing no fruit. You don't have to struggle with anxiety to struggle with resting in the Lord. There are many symptoms. Anxiety is just one of them. It's harder to spiritually rest when you're physically tired. I'll say that again. It's harder to spiritually rest, rest in the Lord, when you're physically tired. You struggle with rest if you bear no fruit for the kingdom of God. If you look into your life and go, man, I, have no, I don't even know what 
the fruit of the kingdom of God means, then you struggle with rest. If you don't know Jesus, you cannot have rest as defined by the scriptures. So I'll ask Sean to keep playing. And maybe today you're like, man, I'm so glad he preached on that. I struggle, man. I have a restless soul. Jesus said, man, come, come, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So I invite you. Maybe it's your first day. Maybe today is the day of your salvation, and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ today, and let today be the day that you are born again, and that God fills you with his spirit and allows you to live a fruitful life for him. Maybe that's your day. If it is, come down here. Come to the front and lay your life down and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And I know you love me and I confess my sin and would you cleanse me? Maybe it's a day of salvation for you. And if you need help coming to Jesus, grab me. I will help you run to the Father. Maybe you already know the Lord and you just need to come and say, man, I am worn out, tired, exhausted, hurting, and fatigued. And Lord, I need rest. Right here is where you find it. You can do it from the comfort of your own chair, but my goodness, sometimes it's good to just get up and let the Lord know you're actually serious. Because there's a lot of times I've said things in my head that I was going to do for the Lord, and I don't do any of it. I just thought about it. I took zero action. So if you know you struggle with action, now's your time. Get your bottom out of your seat and come up here and talk to the Lord. Rest can start right here today for somebody. Jesus, I praise you. I thank you for the word. I pray that someone was lifted up and encouraged today. I pray that lives have changed. I pray that souls were nourished. I know mine was, Lord, and is. You're the good shepherd. You're the good father. You're the perfect savior, Lord. May we trust in you. Teach us how to rest. Let us know that you're there in our, in our struggles. You comfort us in times of need. But teach us how to rest so that we can abide and bear fruit that is meaningful to you and I and us for all of eternity. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.